In this episode, I sit down with my friend Nelly Hayat. Nelly works in tech. She is an expert in design and user experience. We recently lost our center here in Venice Beach, and Nelly and her husband came to the rescue. They opened their home, which has a great outdoor space, to safely have gatherings. And since tonight is the beginning of the new month of Adar, and the month of Adar is all about the energy of joy to deal with life's ups and downs, I thought who better than to sit down than Nelly, who not only brought us joy, but she herself is infectious with happiness and joy, as you will see in this conversation. So enjoy. FYI, I started using the new app Clubhouse, and so you're welcome to join me for a weekly live spiritual conversation Wednesdays from 7 to 7.30 p.m. Also, drop us a rating on iTunes. Follow me on Instagram at Rabbi Parrots, and feel free to send me an email and say hi at word at rabbiparrots.com. Enjoy. This podcast is presented by Rabbi Parrots Muchkin, speaking to the millennial generation. Welcome to the Rabbi Parrots Podcast. I'm here with my friend, Nellie Hayat. Welcome. Thank you so much. I know Nellie from San Francisco when I used to live there. She had just moved towards the end of our stay. We were sort of passing, but we got to do some events together and spend some community time. And it was lovely. But the real surprise was during this pandemic, we we're like, oh, you know, the community is struggling here in Venice. And Nellie shows up. <laughs> And I wanted to, I had this feeling I needed to have a podcast about joy. It's that time of year again, and you have so much joy. So I really wanted you on the podcast. Thank you so much. So I want to go straight to it. Like every time I see you, you have a sense of joy and maybe it's just natural and it comes to you. And if so, share with us some of your light. But like, where do you get that incredible joy that you have and that you share? Where does it really come from? (laughs) Tell us about yourself. The real secret. How do you create joy? Um, I do feel joy all the time. And I wasn't aware how much it was impacting others until recently. But I, when I start to like, looking at the first time it happened, I remember that when I was younger, my grandfather was so proud. I was the only girl out of like 20 grandchildren, the only girl. And I remember being in, at these big parties and he would always like bring me along and show me around. And the only thing I could do was smile. Like he was presenting me to people I didn't know. And I could see how my grandfather was proud of my smile. I was like, ah, that's interesting. And then as I grew, I saw that people were using me as the smile, the moving smile. Um, And recently I realized that it was quite cool to be the smile. (laughs) And so I do feel a lot of joy, but I'm happy to also impact the mood around me. That's so beautiful. I'm taking from that right away, like, what a what a great identity to have <laughs> the person who's smiling and happy in the room like you like wait i could live with that like i i, I could be that i can own that person that's beautiful where'd you grow up by the way in france in oh, paris amazing and uh i don't know if france is famous for big smiles and being happy <laughs> it's a little bit like i i found it to be maybe slightly stiff i love so many french people i love going there but nevertheless you were definitely the happiest french person i'd ever met in my life <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true and every time I go back to France people say 
that's weird. You speak very good French, but you're probably not French. You're American <laughs> with that smile. And I'm like, no, I'm French. <laughs> American with that smile. Wow. I could take us places. Well, it, it really is infectious and it's so important, especially, you know, so much of life is gathering and connecting with others. And when you're able to be joyous, it's infectious. It's, uh, it really does, you know, bring things together. And I bring that up because we, you know, we're building this community in Venice and we got this special building that we were very excited about building, but you know, the pandemic came and really showed us that we can't be there anymore. It's uh, for several reasons. It wasn't the safest place. And especially simply, there really isn't any gatherings happening. And we didn't have a great outdoor space. So that didn't help. And as we were sort of like, what do we do next? All of a sudden, Nellie and her, and her husband, Neil, just show up to Venice. And they rent this place that happens to have a great outdoor space. And they're like, just do events over here. Do it. And you know, and I was like, ah, you know, do I really want to use her space? Is she really serious? People are really nice, but like during a pandemic, maybe it's going to be super awkward. And obviously it's later and it's only people who are comfortable coming, but we ended up doing a really small little minion the other week and it was absolutely spectacular. And you guys are just incredible hosts. Um, so now I really, I haven't asked you yet and I'm saving it for this conversation. Like, like, where do you get the courage and why do you like hosting and what is it about this home and what's going on over here that you just created a zone that we had a gathering and it was outdoors and new people met each other. It was a, just a special oasis during this ch challenging time. I would love to hear more like how you were so comfortable and like telling us like, come and do something here. We'd love it happening. <laughs> um, I think it's still in the works. I think I see myself as doing a lot more than this. And with needs, we have even bigger ambition. But as we came about, it just started by, I never wanted to stay in the same place. Like I told Nice very early on, the world is so big. I want us to live in many places. So I never felt like I was, any of these places belonged to me or that I ever possess any of those places. I was a free rider and I was benefiting from the work of others and everywhere I was going, people were benefiting from the energy that I was bringing. Um, and for Nils, he was a lot more attached to home. And so as we grew together in, in our relationship, we start deciding, we, shall, we start negotiating what it is to be. For me, it was like, I don't want to possess it. And for him, it was like, I love having people around. So I think this is kind of the energy that people come, have when they come, is that they never feel as guests because I feel guests also within those walls. I didn't put these walls around. I'm just so lucky that I have the key, but I'm really happy to give the key also and sleep in the guest bedroom. All the bedrooms are pretty <laughs> beautiful. And Nils has this warmth because he's an amazing chef. And so I think the two of us bring this. Like People feel very comfortable. They want to stick around. After that minyan that we did on Saturday, um, one of the men said, oh, can I come tomorrow and do a yoga? And I was like, Yes, I like this space could turn into a home, a synagogue, a yoga and more because we don't we don't own the walls. I'm curious about this because, you know, a, a lot of people, I, I don't want to say our age, but like a millennium like group of people, we don't always own our own homes and we're not like settled in one specific place. And certainly the pandemic has made us really rethink where we are, where we want to be, et cetera. And, you know, you guys are tech people and that's why we brought you to California. And, you know, from France, you're here, you work, that's where you were in San Francisco. And even Venice is called Silicon Beach. So, you know, you're still around the environment of that. And it's actually not so common for people to have this attitude of like, I didn't build this. I'm also a guest here. 
And I, I would love to just hear more about that. Like, I think that's very soulful. It's a soul says, this isn't my body. This is my world. I'm merely on a journey passing through. And for you to manifest that into your body, into your physical life, I think is a very special trait. So like, give me more insight to how you're <laughs> able to like, like not just, it's not a hippie thing that you're doing. I mean, like there is that type, but that's not the type. I'm sensing a much more soulful experience. I'm trying to like hear where that's from because I think a lot of people want to host more and want to have more, but struggle to have that openness to bring people in, let alone strangers for small events and then parlay it into more and more. Yeah. Um, I think if I... Yeah, if I'm trying to find the source of it, um, it's probably this nostalgia, mm. like the the memories that I've heard from my grandfather, the grandfathers and grandmothers of living together in Tunisia and Algeria, where th- through their stories, it was it was almost like they were sharing a big home together and there were a lot of families and all the women would always be in the courtyard in the middle cooking together. So nobody had a kitchen. The kitchen was in the middle and the kids were everybody's kids. And I think, I don't know why I had fantasy about it. I was like, yeah, every kid can be my kid and the neighbor's kitchen is my kitchen. Or we actually, we just shared that one same kitchen. And then I think it was not, not, not part of my family, but growing up, learning more about the kibbutz, I was like, oh, this is kind of the place I want to be. Yeah, like, I don't think I should have my separate home from others. I don't want that separation. Mm. I want all of these buildings to be communal buildings. Um, and so I think we're trying to recreate that. We're trying to recreate the kibbutz. Wow. It brings me straight back to like spending holidays with my family when I was younger. And there was like just dozens and dozens of cousins around and aunts and uncles. And it was just like, you know, you could get disciplined by any aunt and uncle, but also like they could also like take you out to get something. And like part of it was like, and uh, I never connected it to kibbutz. I connected it more to like, wow, this is like, is this the world? It's one large family. And then you come to the world and it doesn't, you know, people fight back at it. And, and I think the answer is, you know, making your space reflect what is really lovely about life. And uh, it does it does require courage. I think you guys are courageous to, to uh, you know, let that happen. And uh, um, I don't want it to sound like you're just like anybody, everybody, but you do have an attitude that makes people feel very, very comfortable and, uh, and really happy and it's infectious. Uh, so thank you so we much. feel very lucky that that, and, uh, and we're going to be reading the Megillah here in your backyard. So we're so excited that we continue to share these type of things. Exactly. Sp- have you read, um, the house of love and prayer? Have you read that book? I have not read the book. Have you heard of it? I, I heard of a place in San Francisco many yeah. years ago, the House it, of Love and Prayer. So that's the book what it's about. It talks about the Karl Bar movement, uh-huh. and especially in San Francisco. The Karl movement there, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and in the book, they tell about, they tell about this house mm. that was very open to everybody in the community, but you also would only hear about it from friends. Like, it was not advertised. Uh, that's very much like us. Like, we don't advertise the house. Like, it's friends of friends who bring. So we feel like everybody comes is part of the family because they are brought by someone that we love already. But they have, they used to always have a sentence for the person to, op- like, the person who opens the door would always say that sentence, we've been waiting for you. And I love this sentence. Mm. I think I don't, I, I don't feel comfortable to say it because it was created by someone else, but that's very much what I, what I feel. Like when someone comes in, I'm like, 
I was probably waiting for you, and I know you'd bring, you'd bring something specific to the house. Well, it's like, you know, the Chabad house model is somewhat an extension of that. You know, Shlomo Kabach was like yeah. kind of pre the model. So he was also experimenting, like, what would it be like? And now that the model has become settled, Chabad houses all over the world, you were just in Tulum for a while, going to Chabad, you know, and, and there's such wonderful experiences. Um, but I started a little more of an alternative Chabad house. And by alternative, I mean like, I, I wanted exclusivity, but also the same warmth and openness. And the exclusivity was like, I, I never felt I could mix like um, the tourist element of anybody who comes by, but and also the communal element. I didn't find that they always fit. And in San Francisco specifically, and also in Venice. So um, like for me, uh, the, the feeling I got when I came here was like it inspired me to like, maybe I should even rethink a little bit of my own like, I'm trying to be like a certain exclusive, but the openness had way more warmth and way more opportunity. I think the major key is exactly like you said, if it comes from a friend of a friend of a friend, you probably won't go wrong. There's a trail and accountability to it's bringing a good. And maybe that's the, maybe that's your message that you tell other people like, you know, have your friend invite a friend. You don't have to know them and just like bring more life to your life and your life and your love and to your home. Exactly. And it just expands the whole experience. <laughs> yeah exactly well i wanted to uh take that chance to really talk about what is timely now and tonight is rosh chodesh it's there's no moon in the sky which means it's the beginning of a new month and the new month that is here is the month of adar and adar means power adar means strength it's one of the great meanings of this month and strength real strength is hidden it's not bravado you go out and you power it out real strength is there to get through all types of different situations. And the ultimate difficult situation for the Jewish people was the experience of the Purim story where they were facing utter, complete annihilation. And all they did was find their inner power, and now this month is famous for the holiday of Purim story. But as the month begins, we don't think about the story that's going to come. We just think and focus on just the power itself of Adar. And I know you have a lot of like connection to the moon and, and the moon cycle, and I thought... Maybe it would be instead of Parrots giving his regular moon talk, maybe you could share something about like the moon and this month and what it inspires you. And we can, you know, open it up to a little more than just my own because the Rabbi Parrots podcast is me, but it's also the voices that I live with and the people that I'm with. So you, you, I know you're connected to the, to the moon and to the cycle and to Rosh Chodesh, which is tonight. So what are your thoughts on this month of Adar? Because I have a feeling there's like something special here that could help us deal with our current time of COVID and leaving the pandemic mentality and perhaps before we leave the pandemic itself we got to leave the stress of what it's done to us so I, I really want to turn it over to you a little bit thank you so much uh, very much Adaris the commandment to feel joy and mm. that's very interesting at a time where we have ups and downs and when we're in the dawn it's hard to like be commanded to feel joy um, and to go back to Rosh Chodesh before we go into Adar I really got to include the Rosh Chodesh ritual into my life a few years ago, probably five or six years ago. Um, I've always seen my grandmothers doing it, but it was just like lighting a candles with other women. And as we live in different times, in this time, women are looking for a lot more teaching and learning and maybe connecting with the earth and finding the translation into our body. So going back to Adar, um, 
with this commitment of feeling of joy, what I like is that God or the divine didn't just tell us, you know, you can use meditation, you'll feel happiness and joy all by yourself. You're the source of joy and it all goes back to you. He tells us, no, I'm going to give you the physical translation of joy, which is have a meal, <laughs> share something, a physical object with a friend, bring your friend over, wear a costume. So I feel like this month is all about not only how we feel joy, and how this energy can be felt all around, but how do we physically translate joy? Mm. Uh, and I like it because I think within our own body, we're trying to relate to the cycle of the world and the moon. And sometimes we're missing this translation. Like what is happening to the earth or to the world and how is my body reacting to it? Um, some women have their cycles synced with the moon. That's one amazing translation. So I think this month I'm looking for more for those signs of translation. Mm. Well, the the line for this month specifically, or the energy for this month, is that when the month of Adar comes, we increase in joy, like you're saying. But there's an old Hasidic saying that when the month of Adar, the month of power comes, the way you increase the power is through joy. Mm. Instead of like in this month you're more you're happier, you actually use joy as a utility to expand on your own power and your own ability. And that's that to me is when like when you tap into the feminine moon, when I tap into the feminine mm -hmm. moon, I speak for myself, uh, I'm essentially saying that there is a cycle to life. And maybe as a man, I don't feel it in the same way, but Rosh Chodesh tells me I have to feel it. I have to let go a little bit of like my status quo and tap into that there is an incredible cycle. And then when there is an incredible cycle, I'll remind myself that I can give myself some slack for when things aren't good. Sometimes there's a lot more going on <laughs> that, that is not allowing us. The last month was a tough month. And I was like, you know, there's a lot going on in this world. It's going to be some tough months. You got to accept that it's, it's tough parrots and you'll, you'll get through it. And now that this month is coming, I'm like, well, tap into the new cycle. You want power. You don't want to feel the stress. You want to see the horizon and the potential. You can't do it without joy this month. You need to be happy in order to do that. And and that's that's what I'm focused on tonight. And 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 with you, like I want some of your joy. I wanna I wanna I wanna I wanna share the joy that I have with others. And in a time that it's tough, I thought maybe the only way to do it is to talk about it. <laughs> so the 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 moon waxes and wanes and reminds us that there's many different layers. Tonight there's no moon in the sky, and that means it's a new moon. So no moon means something beautiful is about to emerge. So that's the regeneration of power through joy. Um, so is there um, something specific about Adar and this month's moon maybe that calls to you? Um, because I think you were talking more general before, but I, I want to yeah. push you a little bit <laughs> to like something specific that calls to you this month. Um, I think for the first year, not only I'm trying to be very present on the moon, on like the, I'm trying to be very present on the specific months and what is the teaching of this month, but I'm also trying to understand like, Height works in the context of what was just before and what is coming after. Mm. That's something very new that I'm exploring um, because I think I want to understand like how this joy is like maybe the source of Shivat is bringing me joy and maybe joy should, le should lead me to what's coming after, which is supposed to be freedom from slavery. Um, the next month, you're saying, because it leads month. right into Passover, right? Exactly. And... Um, 
And it's interesting that we came from the darkest months of the year in December, which asked us to reflect and mm. maybe access this um, almost nightly world, which we cannot we can call it the spiritual world or the subconscious world because the nights were longer. Then we moved into planting seeds. Uh, and now we're going into this chaotic party just before having the right to be free. And I couldn't make sense of it. And someone said, how about you look at, the, we know that the first month is actually Pesach. Like Pesach is the first. Right, leaving Egypt is the first month. And the Torah calls it month one. And this month is called month 12. Exactly. Yeah. So actually, that's the end. That's the massive party at the end of the journey. Yeah. And that brings me a lot more joy to feel about this. This is a beginning, but this is also an end. And this is this month, if we can make this month looks like the end of the world, but more in like the party when like everybody is exactly as we designed. People mm. live in a community, people feel joy all the time. And this month, this is what I'm going, I'm going to try to embody this that's massive party. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, uh, I love that because this is month 12. It's the end of the winter. By the end of March, it's pretty much the end of the winter all over the world, you know? Uh, even in cold places, it's not as cold at the end of March, generally. So the idea that the uh, winter is over, the hibernation, the seclusion, and like you said, the concealed world, you know? the Now you, you're coming to a place of, oh, you're more opening out. The way we open is with joy. It's sort of like when the birth of a child comes, there's so much stress of nine months of carrying a child and caring for each other and... You'd say, parents, you're the guy. You weren't doing it. You're right. No, I'm there, but I have a bunch of children, and, <laughs> and you know, and I and I try to really live that cycle because you know, being being really aware. And yet, when you have that baby, it's like you forget about the nine months and like a minute. You're just like, wow, the baby. I mean, you remember a week later, but that that moment just like totally is transformative. Yeah. And and I think it's nothing short of that that we're going to need to get out of this year. It's now a full year. It's March to March. It's Adar to Adar. Uh, it's a full cycle of life was lost to concealment, to I don't know what it was for. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'll ever know the reason why this year had to be like this and why the changes we had to go through. But I do know the way to get out of it is with joy. And when the Jewish people left Egypt, when they left, it was the women yeah. who expressed joy until today, we have to have gratitude for women just for the idea that they're the ones who brought joy to the experience. So I wanted to have you on because you're joyous. And I wanted you to bring that that energy to like the way we leave this experience is with that type of joy. So that's really the, what I was after tonight. And uh, and this so may much. be a short conversation, but like it's part of a larger one that that we're having both when we talk and also intuitively of like, we use each other to to remind ourselves that joy is what breaks boundaries. Exactly. You know the line Simcha Poretz Geder? You ever hear that line? No. Okay, Simcha means joy. Yeah. Poretz is my name, Parrots. <laughs> but Parrots means to break through, to breach. And like in a birth to breach or into like a war to break through. And Geder means restrictions and barriers or, or borders. So the idea is that joy breaks all borders or you can pierce borders through joy yeah. is what is what the energy of this month is. Uh, this month is also Pisces and Pisces is a fish sign and a fish is concealed. It's one with its source and we are on earth and we think we're revealed and yet <laughs> if we only can feel our source. So there's something deeply um, 
symbolic about this month being the beginning of this past year, but also hopefully the end. So I'm putting it out there to the world that this should be the end. So Nelly, uh-huh. maybe share with us your hopes and dreams for what happens from here, like how, how we can pierce through with joy. I think I have to make the connection because I love it. I thought that I love that you brought the fish into it because I think when I think about fish in Judaism, it's always at Rosh Hashanah. Like we are the mm, head. We're the head of the fish. And, and it's true that like for me, the way to get out of that cycle and maybe COVID has been a very dark bubble even though we're happy some people were able to find spark of lights here mm-hmm. and there and and even be grateful for that mm. which is interesting but is how can we be the fish to come out how can we lead with happiness and optimism to come out of it so it's not just about feeling joy for ourselves but like how can how we can use it as a tool and lead a movement outside that's beautiful Well, I want to thank you publicly here for (laughs) hosting and for opening up and for being on the podcast and sharing some of your infectious joy. Thank you so much, Ferrets. Okay. Well, that was uh, Nelly Hayat, and you just got lucky because you got to really hear somebody who truly uses joy as a way of life. And, (laughs) uh, And may you all feel that sense this month and be uplifted. So happy Rosh Chodesh. Shabbat Shalom. Happy Rosh Chodesh. Yes, and thank you. Ali